My name is Linda Laurel, and I'm asking you to have the courage to listen with an open mind to all of our voices, because our voices matter. I want to take a moment to thank BMW of West Houston for sponsoring this episode of our Voices Matter podcast. BMW, of course, is known as the ultimate driving machine because of its precision and power. As someone who has driven a BMW for many years now, I can attest to that firsthand. But I think what's even more important, especially about this particular BMW dealership, is that it understands the power and the impact of giving back to its community. BMW of West Houston is known for its support of countless local charities, and that is important to us here at Our Voices Matter podcast. So if you choose to do business with BMW of West Houston, not only will you be getting the stellar first-class service that the dealership is known for, but you can also rest assured that you are doing business with a dealership that truly cares about and gives back to its community. Hey, everybody, it's Linda Laurel, and this is Our Voices Matter podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. So this episode is a little bit different because it was recorded live on Instagram. First time we'd ever done that, and it was fun. Looking forward to doing it again. So my guests are John Gable and Joan Blades. Now, if you are a regular part of our community, you will recognize the name John Gable because I interviewed him a couple months back. John is the co-founder of AllSides.com. Joan Blades is the co-founder of Living Room Conversations and MoveOn.org. They are political polar opposites, and they are friends working toward a common goal. We need more conversations like this, and I'm excited to share it with you. So if you weren't able to join us live on IG, not to worry. Here's the conversation right now. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're talking with Joan Blades, who is the founder of, or the co-founder of Living Room Conversations and the co-founder of MoveOn.org, and John Gable, who is the founder of All Sides. And the reason that I want to talk with them together is because they are political polar opposites, but they are friends, and they work together to help bring us together. And... I just think that's the most incredible thing. And there are a lot of people in our world right now that are having a very difficult time talking with people who don't look like them or believe the same things that they believe. And so I asked, first of all, to both of you, starting with you, Joan, what is it that you are able to do that allows you to be friends with someone who is your political opposite? Well, this First thing I think of there is political opposite. There's so many varieties of not my politics that, you know, John is, he definitely votes very differently than I do. But in terms of the things we care about, we care about, you know, we all care about having a healthy democracy. We care about people being treated fairly. We care about you know, all the basics right? very similar way. It's just our path to how to get there is sometimes very different. But knowing, knowing him, it causes me to step back and think, what, 
what might I be missing? I mean, I live in Berkeley, California. Mm. And it became clear to me at a certain point, as a founder of Move On, that I wasn't hearing from people on the right. Why aren't, you know, why aren't people on the right concerned about climate change was my question back in 2004. Mm -hmm. but, but you never had talked to anybody to ask them, right? <laughs> Well, I found ways. <laughs> I found ways, but not in the in the personal sense. So, you know, what, what Joan, what you just said about starting with the commonalities, you know, you, you basically want the same things. So John, I'm gonna ask you to expand upon that and say, what is it do you think about your relationship that allows you, the two of you to grow and move forward, you know, believe what you believe, but also use that commonality to, to move forward in a positive direction? Now, Joan and I are supposed to be a youthful um, pairing. And what I found is that when I do get to know people, um, this is not the, uh, this, is, this is the norm. So when you actually get to know somebody outside of your political circle and you actually know what they care about, what they think about, um, we find that we care about the same things, where, where we have the same goals. But we've been so programmed that they are voting the wrong way and therefore they must be evil. And the programming has gotten so strong in the last few years of social media and with the filter bubbles the Internet creates that it just doesn't even occur to us that this person who's voting for that completely other person who's completely wrong mm -hmm. um, could possibly actually care about the same things that I do. And actually we do. Um, and what Joan and I did, um, what got us working together is I, I went to, I was working with some people and they said, you should meet Joan Blades. And she and I both were at a conference in, in Reston, Virginia. And um, she suggested we go for a walk and like in a parking lot. This is not a pretty walk. Um, <laughs> ever since that walk, I've told people, if Joan Blades asks you to go on a walk, go on that walk. Walk. <laughs> Not only were we um, similar in what we wanted on the big issue things, but we both were very, very focused on solving that problem of divides, of getting people, in my terms, out of the filter bubbles that prevented us from understanding each other. And she was just seeing how relationships were breaking so that people couldn't have productive conversations. We were dealing with exactly the same problem, using different words, mm -hmm. and she focused on having relationships built and I was focused on getting people to get see the information from the other side so they could decide for themselves and the two together is a magical thing yes it is a magical thing so you're doing what you do with all sides where uh, consumers can media consumers can go to the website allsides.com and see uh, an issue of the day whatever's going on in the news from the left the right and the center and then, Joan, you have founded Living Room Conversations. So I'm going to ask you to explain what Living Room Conversations is and how people can get involved with that, because I know that um, there's a National Week of Conversation coming up April 24th through the 30th. And I know both Living Room Conversations and AllSides.com are a part of all of that, including America Talks. So let's, let's tell people how they can get involved, Joan. All right. Well, so living in conversations are the piece where we don't even listen to each other until we have some relationship. There's all sorts of science that tells us 
that in fact we make our decisions based on our gut or our heart and then our brain justifies it. So it's, you know, we listen to each other once we care and then all of a sudden we're ready to hear nuance. We're ready to let, let other ideas come in. So living room conversations creates these opportunities to have a conversation and it's just six people. The classic original living room conversations, two friends with different viewpoints, each invite two friends for a specific topic. And that topic can be more curious, less furious, or guns and responsibility. <laughs> or, you know, there's the search for purpose, technology and the modern world. You know, that because on some level, I used to want it to be on a couple specific topics. And at this point, I don't care what you talk about. Just talk. <laughs> and then you can really start to have that conversation about the content in a meaningful way. And it's a listening, living room conversations are a listening practice. And America Talks is this wonderful opportunity for people to sign up and be paired or grouped with others across the country. You know, think of Match.com. This is Mismatch.com. <laughs> I love it. That's such a great way to explain it. And it's, it's the worst dating site ever. We give you the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Purposefully. We just had a conversation yesterday with Joe Keohane and other great people, a living room conversation about belonging and talking to strangers because Joe, Joe wrote a book called The Power of Strangers. And it's about how it's really good for us to talk to people that we don't know. The stranger danger thing that was so popular among parents for a decade or two was a disaster, honestly. It's mm -hmm. not, we need to be discerning about the, the strangers we talk to, yes. Yeah. But we need, strangers are the people that take care of us too. They're the people that expand our lives and make our world richer. So in the living room, living room conversations as part of the National Week of Conversation, part of America Talks, I know that both of your organizations are involved. So John, um, tell us more about how All Sides is involved in both of these efforts. We're a lot of the kind of technology behind it. I mean, we look like a new site, but we're really a technology company. A lot of the things that we do provide to people different perspectives. We use technology to find it quickly, instantly. So you can even do search on a different on any topic, and we'll give you three different perspectives on that topic. Versus Google might give you ten different links with all the same perspective. Um, and so when USA Today and the Listen First Coalition wanted to get together and provide an opportunity for Americans all across the nation for thousands to connect in a single day. We, we helped to put together a lot of technology, us, and we, we integrated technology from CHASM and from other groups so that people can sign up um, and then we'll match you or mismatch you with somebody different than you are or in a group that's a little bit what I like to call big D diversity, um, diversity of perspective as well as other ways. And then we use conversation guides like Living Room Conversations, where we actually walk people through what to ask about each other. I like to describe 
It is kind of we accidentally discover the humanity of other people. Joan's correct. You have to start there. But a lot of us don't really, I don't, I have enough friends. I don't need to meet somebody else. Um, but in order to have an effective conversation with somebody else, to actually be able to think critically and listen well, we have to know who the other person is first. That's a part of psychology. And so this is designed to be able to get you to the point. You can have the deep conversations you want, but set it up in such a way that that conversation can be effective. Mm-hmm. So the conversation can be civil. And depending on your personality, I, I always joke, it's like a lot of people, more often than the left, want to have a conversation because it feels good to have kind of this wonderful experience that feels good. And that's, that's actually, there's a lot of value to that. And the people on the right are like, if I want to feel good, maybe I'll go get a massage or go out for a run or something. I want to get something done. And the, the reality is, is that you need both. Yeah. If all you end up with is a good feeling, but it doesn't go anywhere, and after a while, that feels a little hollow. It makes it possible for us to get somewhere. And that has to happen. So for the people who get something accomplished, uh, we kind of walk them through a path so they actually do begin to understand the other person a little bit better, and so they're willing to listen. And that makes it possible to have progress. And that's what America Talks is doing more than anything else, is it's giving a massive amount of people the opportunity to connect with the other side so we can actually listen to each other and then we can actually solve problems. Well, and the key word in, in, in all of this is listen. I, you know, I just cannot stress that enough. I was doing actually a, um, a, a training yesterday and I was talking, you know, about the power of listening in a conversation. And that so often what happens is that as we are, listening to what someone is saying, especially if it's somebody that we already have decided is the other for us, for whatever reason that might be, that we're automatically already trying to refute what they're saying. We're already coming back, you know, in our heads, we're thinking about the counter argument and we're not really listening to what they're saying. And so, you know, the, the, the art and the skill of listening is what is so critically important. And so, all of these efforts, America Talks, Living Room Conversations, AllSides.com, all of this stuff that's happening right now. And the Living Room Conversations and All Sides are ongoing. The National Week of Conversation, America Talks, happening as we, you know, in the next week or two. And so um, those of you who are watching and listening, I'm going to link to everything on our VoicesMatterPodcast.com. You can go to Living Room Conversations. You can go to All Sides. Um, America Talks, sign up, become part of this movement um, and and be a part of, of the, the conversations that are really going to help move us forward. Um, before I let you guys go, I want to I get back to your personal friendship and ask you how you navigate any conversations that you have where you're disagreeing about something. So what do you, if you happen to recall something that you were disagreeing about, whether either the first time as you were first becoming friends or recently, and how you walked through that? Because people want tools and tips on, on literally how to have the conversation that's difficult to have in the moment. Either one of you jump in. Yeah, it's interesting because we do run into issues like that. And I know sometimes I'm like so passionate about a specific issue. I think... 
most recently, I was passionate about nuclear power because we were very interested in saving the environment. And, um, and wouldn't it be great if we had some clean energy source that was hugely abundant that didn't pollute the air? And like, we do. It's called nuclear power um, is one way of answering that. But there are lots of people who are concerned about potential dangers, although I'm looking at data and not getting that. But I was like all like, there, there's a good answer. It's just that everybody's fearful and not with, for good reason. And then and Joe was like explaining how other folks are like, there's a split in the environment about that. And we're not so sure and, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's I think we're, we know each other so well. I've never been like, oh my gosh. I, I did think she was like wrong about um, the, um, the uh, agreement with um, Iran about not building nuclear um, stuff, which I didn't think would do any good. And she, we were different on that. I remember she called me once and said, don't you support this? Because of course, every reasonable person would. And I was like, well, here are all the reasons why I think it'll do the opposite of what you hope it will do. But, um, but it's interesting because I never like, I spend a lot of time after our calls, we talk every Friday. And often I like go for a walk and like kind of think for a while. <laughs> and, so here's what here's what I'm getting what you're saying is that there's a there is a sense of respect. You guys respect each other as human beings, as intelligent thinking human beings who, you know, want the best for yourselves and your country, etc. You think about things differently, but you respect each other. So you have to first come from that place. Would you agree with that, Joan? Absolutely. Respect and, you know, I really like John Yes. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of Joan. We, we, we promote each other all the time. <laughs> you know, John's wonderful. And I'm, I am curious about these places where there's this disagreement, and it seems obvious. And it's just clear to me that I probably don't have a full picture. Mm. John's one of the people I rely on to say, John, how do you see this? And I probably am not going to tell him he's wrong or anything. I'm just I'm going to sit with that, and I'm going to try and you know add that to my equation. And I'll admit, sometimes doing this, it feels like my head's going to explode. <laughs> people are really wrong. Yeah, but knowing where they're coming from. It, it, knowing their heart, knowing, knowing their heart. And you're, so you're coming at it. So first there's respect, then there's curiosity. It's literally, you know, having an open mind and saying, I want to learn more. I want to understand, you know, my, I'm coming into this conversation thinking, you know, you're nuts. I don't agree with you, but I need to understand. So help me understand. And if we come at it from that perspective, that opens the door. Go ahead, Joan. But I never think you're nuts. I know. I, I was saying that. I shouldn't, yeah, I shouldn't say that. We should not come at it as you're nuts. That's the problem. That's the problem right there. And it's like, how can this brilliant person have this such a flawed idea? Yes. <laughs> right. Help me understand how you can be so brilliant and have this flawed idea. Yeah. But that's, so I'm... And I, I know that I'm depending on my experts all the time. Mm -hmm. And on the left and the right, people are depending on their experts. 
And if our experts are saying different things, then we're put in a position of not being able to actually have an intelligent conversation where things get resolved. Exactly. And, and that's why All Sides is such a brilliant idea and platform, because that's where you can go and see all sides of an issue and make an informed decision about what you believe. But you can't make an informed... All Sides is wonderful for seeing the expanse of interpretations. Yes. Years ago, I was focused on fracking. I had a wonderful conversation with co-founder of Tea Party Patriots and his friends and my friends. You know, someone said, move on, Tea Party Patriots. They, it was great. We came up with a lot of agreement about criminal justice reform, about economic things. That fracking, we should talk about that. That was really big. His facts and my facts were very different. Mm. And so we started seeing if we could get experts agreeing, and we never had the resourcing to do it. But when you have different facts for each side, it means the communities involved can't make a good decision, and then power and money wins. Mm. And that disempowers the people I want to be in power. So that, you know, living room conversations are a starting point for inviting voices in that are missing, for starting to have relationships, for creating that caring space which allows good things to happen. Movement because we need, you know, often facilitated processes after we have the right people in the room and that, that feeling of, I want to work with you. Mm -hmm. And we need good facts. It's a very big lift that we have to do together, which is why America Talks and National Week of Conversation is over 100 different bridging organizations all pushing in this direction, trying to become visible on a national level because I hate to say it, most of this country doesn't even know there is a movement to get us working together effectively. I, I, I know, which is, you know, one of the reasons that do this podcast is to try to, you know, get more of that kind of um, information and conversation out there in the world. And um, just, you know, having met, I met John originally through my uh, work with Convergence as a board member there, which is another bridge building organization that's doing great things. And there are so many uh, organizations out there that really care about this because we all recognize the, the damage that is being done to our democracy, the farther apart we get. And so, and, and John, one of the things that, that you said in the last time that we talked was that you are um, hopeful about our future because the young generation right now, Gen Z, they get it. And when, when you point out to them that, by the way, you're, you're in, a, in a filter bubble and you show it to them, they're like, oh, I didn't even realize it. But now that you've shown it to me, help me get out of it. I understand now that I need to get out of it. So talk to me about your hope for the future, John and then Joan. Yeah, it's, it's pretty extraordinary. And the media that we hear the most, you, you, you basically it makes more money by scaring you. The extremes make more money. The money is in the division. 
And the attention is in the division because there is a general bias among media to go to what bleeds or what's exciting or, or negative bias. Um, but there's been a huge shift in numbers from Pew, from Pew Research to across the board where there's a tremendous growth um, in interest in finding more reliable, balanced sort of information opportunities to talk with each other. And you wouldn't know it because that's not really what the media is focused on right now, but it is all the numbers are showing a big shift. And I, when I first considered um, or thought of all sides, and I'm the co-founder, I'm not the only founder, I've brought some other people on board, um, like Scott McDonald and others. Um, but when I started this, I would go to people, explain this great divide and explain the problem and how it's going to, and this is back in um, when I first talked about it, around 2012. Mm -hmm. Spend half an hour explaining to them that, yeah, this really is a problem. And people really, at the end, they were kind of, I guess you're right. Now, if I spend more than two minutes about the problem, they're like, leave me alone. What are you doing about it? And that's a huge shift in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. And wonderful thing, if you think about an analogy with a, an addict, I mean, you can't solve a problem in addiction until you realize that you have a problem. Our nation now understands we have a problem. That is step one. Yes. And the, it's more obvious. It's almost like the kids of um, divorced parents watching the really stupid things their parents are doing, yelling at each other. And it's so obvious to them how that's not the way to do things. I think that's kind of like our generation now. They're like saying, this is stupid. I mean, it's ridiculous that these people are being so extreme one way or some extreme the other way. Yeah, I'll get caught up and do it. That's not where I want to be. And then when you show them a way to get out of it, they go instantly. It's really remarkable um, just how quickly they'll embrace a different approach. I, I love that. Just understanding, you know, in real time what the shift has been. And you've been on the ground seeing it. Joan, what, what are you most hopeful about as you, as you look at our future? What gives you hope that we are going to get our arms around this and start to move in the direction that that will bring us together? I think John's point that people are recognizing that we've got a problem is the hopeful thing. And that there are all sorts of people that want to do something about it. I think the worrisome piece is that a lot of people are intimidated to show up at this point. You know, to actually personally show up and be vulnerable in some kind of conversation. I mean, living room conversations are one format, which is, you know, you could have 10,000 conversations of six people in a week, you know, in a weekend. But as people have seen more and more bad behavior between people with differences, mm -hmm. they become afraid to ask their neighbor, their colleague, their friend to co-host a conversation. Hence, our mismatch need, America Talks. Mm -hmm. But I also think as we, it's sort of like the Alcoholics Anonymous thing. Have we hit bottom? When we recognize that we actually have to show up to make things change, then there are a lot of really good things to do that are available. And all sides, living room conversations, are just part of a really rich opportunity. Convergence is fabulous. You know, they have 
worked hard to do the facilitated process to come up with the answers that are acceptable. So I'm a, I'm a deep believer in the power and how essential the grassroots are for creating change. Absolutely. And, and you know, what, what you said before is that sometimes, you know, the living room conversations, you know, literally happens in people's living rooms and it's very, you know, granular and grassroots and it's one-on-one. -on -one. And then there's another level. I'm sorry. I should note that that's where they started. They're now in churches and libraries and book clubs. Okay. And everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. It's still called living room conversations happening in living rooms and other rooms. Okay. But, but I think that I, I love what you said about, you know, having that, which is necessary, and it's a great starting place, one-on-one, -on -one, human to human. And then there are organizations like Convergence, like Bridge USA on college campuses, like yep. a whole bunch of others that then take it at another level and say, okay, how do we address this from a policy standpoint? How do we solve specific problems? So the point being is that, as they say, it takes a village. It's going to take all of us at multiple steps along the way to solve this problem, but it starts one-on-one. -on -one. And so what we've got to do is to, is to make sure that when people start to feel safe enough to have these conversations, that they know what the resources are, where they can go. And the three of us are certainly allies in, in, in that movement. And it's the work that, that we're, all, we're all doing. Um, who wants to have the last word? What do you want to leave our audience with? Something hopeful, please. <laughs> I was just going to thank you because you've been doing this for a while as well. And I know you understand it. Um, but it really is all these different organizations, all these different groups. Do not underestimate the power of individuals to do things. Princeton did a little study of how many organizations in the U.S. are working to bridge divides one way or the other. It's over 5,000 right now. And it's still not getting big news coverage because it just doesn't fit in the world they're looking at. Right. But happening. And um, don't wait for the rest of the world to do it. Um, you and Joan and I and thousands of other organizations and tens of thousands, I think hundreds of thousands, actually, other people are already participating in this. And that's how, th that's how things always change. So it's, it, it's moving. It's happening. Yep. Yep. Joan, you get the last word, my friend. I have to say thank you for having this venue to encourage people to have a good way to participate. That's what we don't say enough. It's actually really fun to <laughs> look at my friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So once again, for those of you who are on the call, um, we've been talking with Joan Blades, the co-founder of Living Room Conversations and co-founder of MoveOn.org, and John Gable, the co-founder of AllSides.com. I urge you to go to their websites. You can go to our website, OurVoicesMatterPodcast.com, and get links to everything that they're doing. And please, please, please participate in the National Week of Conversation, April 24th through April 30th. Participate in Living Room Conversations. Um, just get involved. Talk to somebody who thinks differently than you do and try to find that common ground. I assure you, it is there. And that is going to be our key to 
saving ourselves and our democracy. Please, please, please. So thank everybody so much for joining us. And John and Joan, just keep on doing the hard work and really, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thanks again to our sponsor, BMW of West Houston. There's a special offer for members of the Our Voices Matter podcast community. Just click the link in the show notes, bmwwest.com.